0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70 percent off. Dresses from 19.99, polos from 16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only
2: at Banana Republic Factory. We're reviewing week one. Looking forward to week two and helping you to manage your fantasy teams on Roto Viz Radio. What's
1: up, Roto Viz?
2: I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by my Bookie and Squad QL. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. Week one is nearly finished. We've had actual NFL games going on. How was week one for you, Matt? Uh, week
3: one was pretty good. Um, it's funny because it's like we we know so much more than we did just a week ago. Yet at the same time, we still know relatively little. Like we have 16 different sample sizes of one, you know? So it's like, it's still hard to know exactly how representative all of that information is, but uh, it's good to be back in the swing of things.
2: Yeah, it absolutely is. Two games going on tonight. We're going to be recording this episode every Monday night. So we will not be including anything from the Monday night games just to kind of get that out of the way. So unfortunately, on a night like this, there's actually four teams that we won't be able to to mention. Uh, but moving along, as I mentioned last week, we're going to try to keep this show pretty structured so you know what to expect each week and have segments we're going to talk about week in and week out. Before we get into those this week, was there anything that stood out to you more than anything else this weekend that answered, you know, maybe a particular question that you had, or was there something that really took you by surprise?
3: Uh man, I feel like so much happened this weekend. Uh I guess maybe two things. One, um, I was very impressed with Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs offense. And yep. uh, you know, going against I think a pretty good defense. Uh and obviously the the Chargers were were uh, without Bosa. So I think that does make it a difference. But um yeah, I mean I think if the <laughs> If the Chiefs can do what they did to the Chargers, uh, I think they can be uh, almost unstoppable against almost everybody. It's just a question of uh, how simplistic is their offensive system, and is, will the league be able to catch up to it pretty quickly? Um, but very impressed with the Chiefs so far. Uh, and then on the flip side, uh, pretty unimpressed with the Saints defense. Which, uh, you know, historically yep. has been horrible, but took a huge step forwards last year. Uh, of course, also last year, the defense was not good to open the season, Um, you know, so maybe we shouldn't put too much talk in what we saw out of the defense, uh, but they were just totally torched by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, like the ghost of Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, who might actually be real Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, um, you know, they didn't look all that good at all, Um, you know, and they were playing at home. But, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see with the Saints. But, um, you know, they're a potential Super Bowl team. Um, They will not make it even into the playoffs, you know, potentially, if their defense hemorrhages points like that.
2: Yeah, that definitely is one of the biggest surprises of the weekend. You have to open the season, the Saints playing at home, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Buccaneers come in and just storm through them. I mean, this was especially odd. If you followed along with that game, I don't really remember ever being like, oh yeah, you know, like the Saints, you you know, like this is, something that isn't going to be insurmountable for them. If you were like kind of following along, it was like every other second, it just felt like there was something positive going on for Tampa Bay, which you would not expect. And then as you mentioned, Mahomes, great start to his season, 256 yards passing, four touchdowns through the air, another 21 yards on the ground. I think that, uh, you know, if you have Mahomes You're feeling pretty good about his outlook. As you said, you know, maybe the league catches up, but maybe that's something that starts to happen towards the end of the season, maybe into next year. So a lot of things to get through after those quick thoughts. So one of these segments that we're going to do each week, are we going to talk? We're going to talk about the players that overachieved, and we're going to call that the little Lebowski urban achievers of the week for any of you big Lebowski fans out there.
1: They're the little Lebowski Urban Achievers.
2: I went down the list of fantasy points scored as of Sunday night before the Sunday night games. And I just picked out the names that stood out to me. Naturally, we have to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick over 400 yards passing four touchdowns, one rushing touchdown in 36 yards. That was 45 points on DraftKings. Matt, do you remember any player in any season that you played fantasy football coming as out of nowhere to start off the season?
3: Um, I mean not like this, like uh I don't know, this is probably not a good example, but uh like Stephen Hill just because there was so much like personal Rotovis hype around him and then he had two <laughs> touchdowns to like kick off his career and it was like, yes, like uh market share superstar you know, two touchdowns, he's the next Randy Moss. And then that was really like the best game of his career. Um, But uh, yeah, no, this uh, this is totally from nowhere.
2: Yeah, absolutely from nowhere. The only other parallel that I could find would have been, and it's not even on the same scale, was Kevin Ogletree might have been like four years ago. Cowboys, I think they were playing the Broncos to open the season. And uh, I think he opened with like two touchdowns and then fell off the face of the earth after. Another surprising performance just because I thought that we were beyond uh, this player – Really producing. I, I was thinking that it was going to be a down season for Deshaun Jackson, but he opens up 146 yards receiving and two touchdowns, 37 points on DraftKings. Although it's important to say only five targets. Rest of the season outlook for Jackson. Are you buying into him? Does this a change? Does this at all change the opinion you may have had of him as? You know, recently as last week.
3: Uh, no, because I still thought he was a pretty explosive player. I actually drafted him in the last round of the fantasy pros draft I was in, and I was oh, really, nice. really excited about that. But, uh, I actually had to drop him because I had to pick up like a quarterback. I had to pick up a defense. Um, but the thing is, he only played, uh, I don't know, like 12 snaps, 20 snaps. Well, I mean, he didn't play many snaps. Um, yeah. So, you know, and I think he's dealing with, uh, maybe like a potential hamstring, uh, thing. So like, uh, I mean, obviously he's such an explosive player and everyone knows that. It's just a question of whether he's actually going to be reliable. Um, I don't know if that actually is the case. Oh, and he's, uh, he left the game due to a concussion. So have to watch that move right. forward. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So kind of a, a difficult situation because I think that what we saw in that game, clearly looks like it's going to be an outlier especially with Fitzpatrick so I still think we need some clarity but nonetheless that was impressive and another player that I highlighted here was Austin Eckler: five receptions 87 yards uh and a receiving touchdown 23 points on DraftKings also had five rushes 39 yards and caught all five targets now the reason that I felt like this was an overachieving performance is this was a player that we knew there was potential for and a lot of the talk Heading into the season was if something happens to Melvin Gordon, and we were there were you know many people hoping that he could find some standalone value with a performance like this, uh, five receptions, five targets. That's a pretty good performance. How are you feeling about him looking forward?
3: Yeah, I think he's uh, Danny Woodhead, except younger. Uh, I mean, obviously younger, but I think like maybe even better than Woodhead. Um, Yeah, just as a runner, I think he's. Better as a runner than Woodhead was and maybe just as good as a receiver. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think Austin Eckler is a great play, um, as a kind of, you know, like secondary kind of like super Duke Johnson type of play. But just one thing to rewind and, and go back to the yep. Bucks. Um, yep. for at least one week, uh, I clearly am the winner in the Mike Evans versus uh, Chris Godwin debate. Uh. Just, just want to say that. And I also feel like too- that I feel like that's so obvious. Even yeah. at the time it was so obvious. And I felt ridiculous having to defend Mike Evans versus Chris Godwin.
2: Well, it was it was who is the better receiver? You say you know, outside of fantasy options, do you still think that it, it's abundantly clear after week one that he's the better, more talented receiver?
3: Yeah, he he turned seven targets into seven receptions, 147 yards and a touchdown. And like (laughs) even outside of week one, he's like one of only three NFL receivers in history to open his career with uh, four straight thousand yard seasons. Like he's clearly better. Like you have to take what he's done against like the potential of what someone else might do.
2: Right. And the other troubling thing for me was with how poorly the Saints defense played. Drew Brees has already racked up. I believe it was 45 passing attempts. So I'm oh, going to need that defense that to show so itself up.
3: Yeah, that, uh, that was so good. Um, because so many people were talking about Drew Brees regressing and really he had the best season of his career or one of the best seasons of his career last year. Um, from an efficiency standpoint, the only problem was that he wasn't throwing as often and then he wasn't throwing as many uh, touchdown passes per attempt but both of those things seemed very likely to regress and they did regress big time yesterday
2: well it's a long season so we'll have to wait on that listen let me ask a question could you uh, expand the space underneath the desk you know give it a little more headroom the george costanza slackers of the week top three players with surprisingly poor performances matt Let's get your thoughts on these players. Interestingly enough, two of them from the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. where it was the Tyreek Hill show more or less yesterday. Kareem Hunt, 49 yards on 16 attempts, did not catch his lone target. Spencer Ware had three rushes, one target. If you were watching Red Zone, it may have looked like Spencer Ware was getting a lot of looks. That was just seemed to be the way it felt as I was watching along, but uh, Hunt did out-snap Ware. Had the higher workload, but again, only 49 yards, uh, no touchdowns. What do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously not a great performance by him, but, uh, you know, I'm focused on the snap share and the fact that he did get more carries uh, and the knowledge that he is a very good receiving back. And at Texas Tech, um, Mahomes did have experience throwing to good receiving backs. So I think, you know, it's just one of those things where he didn't have a good week. Someone else on the team really, you know, outperformed. Um, it's all going to shake out in the end. And I think he's still a high usage guy on an offense. that looks like it's going to be pretty good.
2: Yeah. The important thing to note there too, if you're a Hunt owner, obviously don't panic. Uh, This is going to be an important thing to keep in mind. Do not be panicking on players like Hunt this early on. There was a couple of situations in which the Chiefs very easily could have given him a handoff down in the red zone and he could have scored. Things went right. a little bit differently in that game, but that doesn't seem like the type of thing that's going to carry from week to week. Uh Another player though, for the Patriots, Chris Hogan, one reception on five targets. Now, we have definitely seen with Hogan, there's going to be some games that he might disappear first week of the season. Maybe he comes back next week. However, though, Philip Dorsett caught all seven of his targets for 66 yards and a touchdown. Are you concerned about Hogan if you're a Hogan owner?
3: Yeah, Uh, I mean, I'm concerned about him just from the perspective of uh, the Patriots having really no, um, no institutional need to give targets to anyone except Gronk. You know, yeah. like they can basically do without anyone except for Gronk. So, you know, if they choose to target Gronk and they choose to give the ball to, to White, uh, as a pass catcher, uh, and then they give Dorset, you know, more targets than you would expect. And Dorset, by the way, a former first rounder. Um, yeah, you know, like there's the, po- there's the possibility that he's actually not a bad player. Um, yeah, I would be a little bit worried about Hogan.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And then also I believe that I did read today that the Patriots are going to be working out Corey Coleman, who I still believe is a talented (laughs) player. So you might even have him coming into the fold. Not that Hogan hasn't performed well when he's had his chance, but as you said, he might not be as necessary as we would hope. So another Chiefs player, Travis Kelsey, just one reception on six targets for six yards. Is this a product of a new look Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes? Under center, or do you think that this was just the way that game unfolded?
3: Uh, that's interesting. I think it's a combination of both. Kelsey had, yeah. I think, um, he had a hard matchup. that A lot of people didn't necessarily recognize as being hard. Like San Diego's defense, that like their secondary is very good. Uh, you know, they have a first rounder in Derwin James playing strong safety. Um, you know, they have they have like excellent coverage for players who are like big, like Kelsey. Um, they don't have excellent coverage on guys like Tyree Kill who can just run by them. So I think it's sort of this combination right. of a very good defense that was exploitable by a particular player who isn't Kelsey. Uh, but then also, yeah, Alex Smith is not there. And Smith prolifically targets tight ends, right? Mahomes, uh, I think he has the ability to target tight ends. It's just he's not Alex Smith. And Alex Smith targets tight ends more than almost
2: anyone. Right. So I think what you're looking at there is every week, the offense isn't going to be clicking quite as well as it was this past week. You're not going to have Tyreek Hill with as many you know, outstanding plays. And there are going to be situations that this team is going to get into where they are going to want to make Kelsey a large part of the offense because he is a great weapon. So I think this was an outlier, but probably one of the most frustrating performances from any player in week one.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he had six targets. Um, yeah. That, you know, that's not insignificant. Just, you know, he right. did absolutely nothing with him.
1: And it's Crazy Joe Devola. This is from that kick from that Crazy Joe Devola. Yeah. Oh,
2: uh,
3: it's crazy
2: Joe Devola. The what guy? Uh, what Crazy Joe Devola? Crazy Joe Devola. Oh
1: my God, it's crazy Joe
2: Devola. So the Joe Devola crazy stat of the week, another Seinfeld reference there. We have to go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. The highest possible QBR that a passer can achieve is 158. Fitzpatrick's was 156.25. If you started Jimmy Garoppolo, he put up a QBR of 45. Marcus Mariota (laughs) just 36. Granted, Mariota was in a very disjointed game. Um, eh, Let's take a minute though, just to talk about what happened in there with Miami and Tennessee. Obviously, Uh, You've probably heard the game took forever to play because there were so many weather delays. You had inclement weather. You had the breaks in the game. Do you think that it would be prudent for people not to read too much into the results of that game? Or can we glean any information?
3: Uh, No, I think uh, information is is a uh, gleanable, if that's the word. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think Mariota is a guy who wasn't really developed his first few seasons in the league. Uh, and, um, you know, he takes hits and he's, you know, yet again in a new offense. Um, so I think we should expect there to be some trouble with him, uh, especially yep. early in the season. And Garoppolo, you know, uh, just he's still young in his career, uh, even though I guess at this point he's not particularly young, but, um, still getting started, uh, and had a tough matchup. You know, I, I wouldn't read, um, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't read out of their performances that they are automatically bad quarterbacks. Although, uh, yeah. I could see Mariota being someone who continues to underperform, but, um, it's just one week and I think they were just, you know, in negative circumstances, by the way, I have to say about the, um, the Miami game, Jakeem yep. Grant led the team in targets. That was really? personally very exciting for me.
2: Yeah, that that's a great step, Matt. So um, I, I was unaware of that. So since you brought them up, though, uh, the with the wide receiving situation there, uh, where do you slate him in on that depth chart? I'm assuming that you have stills at one.
3: Yeah, stills is at one. Uh, Amendola, yep. I think, is a very strong slot player um, You know, who deserves to be to be targeted. Uh, but you know, Grant played ahead of Albert Wilson and Devontae Parker is going to come back at some point, but, um, I might be ready to give up the Devontae Parker ghost, you know, like it hasn't happened at this point. Uh, it, it might not happen. Like it, it wouldn't be surprising if, uh, if Grant somehow became a guy that they relied on more, you know, he, he, I mean, he didn't get much yardage, you know, 38 yards, but he caught five of his seven passes. Like he's, whenever he's been on the field and they've targeted him, uh, he's, he's produced, you know, and then obviously he had the, uh, the touchdown return and obviously, I mean, that's special teams, but yeah. I think stuff like that gets coaches excited and makes them want to give that player the ball more on offense.
2: Absolutely. And we have the case here of a player who wouldn't give an opportunity is produced. And you've had a player like Parker who at this point has had ample opportunity. It's not like he's been buried on depth charts. He's yeah. been a prisoner of circumstance. He's had his opportunities, just has not produced. But if you do want to produce this fantasy football season, you need to make sure that if you have not yet done so, you take advantage of the 30% off listener discount to an NFL sub at RotoViz through the RotoViz podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. And we need to ask again to come support us on Patreon. We're putting out all of these shows each week. We are in the full swing of things. There's so much work going on behind the scenes. So if you want to support the show and get in on the Sunday Rotoviz live programming that uh, we've been having a blast uh, so far, a lot of good conversation this weekend. I gave a couple of great recommendations, although I did tell somebody to play... Uh, Dion Lewis over James Conner, which I still think might have been the right call. But nonetheless, we're answering all your questions, getting ready for the games on Sunday. And uh, we really appreciate those of you that have decided to support us this far. So again, make sure that you check us out on Patreon. Uh, for more information on that, you can check the uh, show notes up on the site. And of course, you can visit us on Patreon. And I should probably know off the top of my head the um, address for it. I think it's
3: I think it's patreon.com slash road of his radio.
2: Is it is it that see this is why I'm confused because we had one set up originally and then we had to do another one. So I'm gonna try that out.
3: It's Rotoviz Radio.
2: Yeah. Okay, perfect. Matt Freeman with the save there. Okay, so say that again, Matt.
3: Yeah, Patreon.com slash Rotoviz radio.
2: Okay, excellent. So you have zero excuse now for not going and at least checking it out and considering supporting us and getting yourself positioned for a sweet Rotoviz T-shirt, which there's nothing quite like a good t-shirt. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Don't have a fancy name for this segment, but trending up. I'm going to give you three names of players that I was impressed by, and I think it speaks well to their outlook for the season. We have to start off. Philip Lindsay matches Royce Freeman at 15 rushes and 71 yards, and Lindsay takes two of his three targets for 31 yards and a touchdown. There's a lot of metrics pointing towards Lindsay being a great player. But with the capital that the Broncos spent on Freeman, it looked like it was going to be an uphill battle for him to not only get over Devontae Booker, but to also eat away at some of the work Freeman could have. What did you think?
3: Yeah, Lindsey looked impressive and uh, he He was good in his college career, you know, so he's one of the guys who, I can't remember what, like, what was his athleticism in his pro day?
2: I I don't remember off the top of my head, but I remember it was, it was pretty good. Uh, Not quite though, as impressive as his college production was. Um. I'm going to look that up though right now if you want to I mean, talk some more about he's his He's a smaller
3: guy. That's I think one of the the problems is that like uh, they gave him a lot of rushes and I kind of don't see that living up, right? So he mm-hmm. had a, a 4.44 um, 40 time and this is this is coming from player profiler uh, and so they adjust yep. it. So it's obviously he – I think he ran like a 4.38, 4.39 um, but he's 5.7 on 184 pounds. Like – I, I just can't see them possibly giving him fifteen carries per week. Yeah. But he did carry a lot in college. So, you know, like there is the possibility of him just being a guy who, you know, I don't know, like work done esque can uh be small yet carry a very large load. So, you know, it's it's possible, but um I still see Freeman as the guy who ends up you know, getting the lion's share of the uh, the rushing workload. But uh, Lindsey clearly is a good receiving back. And I think he's carved out like a a minimum role in that capacity.
2: Yeah. So I think that people are going to be tempted, and this is probably going to be one of the major questions from this week. People are going to be tempted to go out and probably spend a lot on Lindsey on their free agent auction bidding, perhaps use a waiver wire pick on him for you, is he the type of guy that if you needed running back help, that you'd be willing to go for aggressively? Or do you think that you should maybe wait and find a situation where we have a better picture as this may have just been a fluke?
3: Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't see him being Tarek Cohen from last yeah. year. Like, you had that big week one performance. Um, and they're kind of similar, I think, like, uh, right. in terms of like their build and their skill set. Um, I mean, I guess it just, if you have the waiver money to spend and there's really no one else out there, then I guess spend it. But um I don't see him being like a potential lead back. I, I think, you know, right. he's going to be someone who has peaks and valleys. And um I don't think that's going to be something that you actually end up using uh in your starting lineup because you're not going to yeah. be able to depend on him. So then kind of like, why would you add him?
2: right the other thing too is they have a good group of receivers i think with cone it was a little bit different last year that offense as a whole did not have a whole lot of depth and he could bring an element that jordan howard definitely does not have now we know that freeman definitely can rush we believe he's solid as a receiver too so i think i'd be a little hesitant to go and spend a crazy portion of my budget on uh going after lindsey Obviously, if you can get him for a more moderate price then I would consider it, but I don't think that if you're planning on taking a shot at one running back this season, that he's the one to do it on another player. I was impressed by despite the fumble problems. Naheem Hines saw five rushes and nine targets. I think the nine targets is the item that you want to focus on converted seven only saw 33 yards and Marlon Mack didn't play. But nonetheless, I thought that this was some signs of him trending upward.
3: Yeah, and you know, they invested draft capital in him. Uh he is just in terms of his skill set like a um like a CJ spiller type of player in that he does have good speed. Uh he does have that uh kind of versatile skill set as a you know a receiving guy who can return punts uh and maybe do a little bit of damage as a runner. Um, but you want to get him out in space, not like someone you would run up the middle. But uh yeah, he has the ability to be, I think, a very good complementary back.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Now, we'll obviously want to pay attention to what happens when Mac does get back into the fold. But I think given the fact that he got the nine targets, it's clear that the team has recognized they can definitely use him in the passing game final guy that i feel is trending up this is a name that's not going to come out of left field but Corey davis saw 13 targets though his total output on the day might not have been as high as you would like for 13 targets i did think that it was encouraging and with unfortunately delaney walker now out for the season i think that creates even more of a need for the team to use davis
3: yeah totally agree um obviously sucks for Delaney Walker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Davis is a guy who now has a locked in target floor. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to see what that offense looks like, whether those targets actually mean anything. Um, but yeah, he's someone you definitely want on your roster. Like if you can yeah. get him for, for cheap like, you know, in a trade with someone who doesn't really know stuff, like someone who looks at uh, box score instead of usage and snaps and targets and things like that. Um, if you have the opportunity to trade for him, I think he's someone to target.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I would think also in addition, if you have spots at the end of your bench and there's any, um, of the other tight end receivers available, they're definitely worth going for, um, perhaps Tajay Sharp is available, Taywan Taylor, maybe. I'm assuming that Richard Matthews is probably owned, but I would look at that as well. Moving along, three players on the decline. Guy that we had talked about uh, early on in the podcast during the summer, Kenyon Drake averages 3.4 yards per carry to Gorse, 6.8. Granted, odd game, but is that a problem, Matt? Uh, yeah, I think it's a
3: problem to the extent that um – They will continue to give Gore uh, carries. I don't know if they will take away many more of Kenyon Drake's carries, but they're not going to take carries away from Gore which I think is the the bigger problem. So yeah. uh yeah, I think it is a problem because as long as Gore is averaging 6.8 even if he's not averaging 6. even if he drops down to 5 or, or you know 4.5, as long as he is being efficient enough relative to Drake, they're going to continue to give him, you know, at least a third of the carries. So
2: yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. And my theory here is Gore does not have much time left on this planet. So he's going to try to make the most of it. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. I agree.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's got to, um, Alan Hearns, just three targets. Dak Prescott, just 171 yards, no touchdowns. Cowboys looked awful. Uh, just steamrolled by the Panthers. Cole Beasley out targets, Allen Hearns, I'm not sure if this is an offense outside of Zeke Elliott that you want much of a part of if you're a fantasy gamer out there. Any thoughts on Hearns? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I don't no, want I him. Mean, at, yeah,
3: I, I don't want him on any of my teams or on the Cowboys. Um, yeah, you know, it's just yeah, it's a horrible situation. Yeah, I think you know Zeke is the only guy on this team that you really want. I think there had been some hope for Prescott, especially because of his running ability. Uh, And maybe they get, you know, I don't know, maybe they turn things around. Um, Maybe the, you know, wide receiver unit can cobble together enough production and maybe Gallup really develops, but I I just don't see it happening.
2: Yeah, I, I don't see myself going after any of the Cowboys anytime soon, unless something changes. Then the third player that I was discouraged about was Giovanni Bernard. Just one rush, one target. Joe Mixon looked very good. It's his backfield, isn't it, Matt?
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I guess, uh, you know, to, uh, every end, there is a beginning. So, you know, for Giovanni Bernard, it sucks, but for everyone who has Joe Mixon, this is the dream. So, um, yeah, what is dead may never die.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. I love it. So can we drop Gio?
3: yeah i mean yeah I, I don't know i mean yeah i think you can drop him but it, it wouldn't be surprising if at some point they started to work him back in or if Mixon got injured and if you know yeah. if that happens then Gio is like an every down guy whereas you know in in a lot of other backfields if the lead guy gets injured you i mean you might have an idea of who's going to be the next backup but that guy might not actually be a lead back but i think geo would
2: yep okay Top three units with favorable upcoming schedules. I'm going to try to highlight three positional groupings that have favorable upcoming schedules for us each week, um, using my weekly explorer tool that is going to be out, um, coming out each week on Wednesdays. Now, what I do in this is I have the tool look at the difference between a player's average performance And their performance when they're facing a particular defense so that we're not just looking at points allowed that can be influenced by lower level players accruing points. It's really looking and saying when a wide receiver plays a particular defense, how much better or how much worse does he do than his average? So it's a different way of kind of cutting at the um, difficulty level that a defense will present to an offense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I did not pull in week one data um, at this point because kind of what the tool does is it needs two data points. It needs week one and week two of the season. So we're going off of last year. Uh, but again, that might be better than just trying to use one week of information. So for running backs, the Lions have San Francisco, New England, and Dallas, which in this met- metric across last the. Second half of 2017, uh, San Francisco is 29, New England 21, Dallas 12. The Lions game is going on right now, so I can't speak to what shook out there, but that might be encouraging if you are an owner of a Lions running back. Yeah. Why? Oh, go ahead, Matt. (laughs) Sorry,
3: just to jump in.
2: Yeah. Uh uh, it's
3: yeah. So the game is happening right now, but it doesn't look good for the Lions running back field. Uh, it's split between three guys and uh, it's split. It's split pretty evenly. So it's it's an unfortunate situation in that uh, even though they have such a favorable schedule, yep. you might not be able to leverage
2: that. Oh, boy. Aye, aye, aye. All right. Well, maybe we can talk about that next week, too, because I'm going to be curious as to what uh, what shook out there with the three backs at wide receiver, there's two teams where I believe there might be some receivers that you could get your hands on, uh, particularly Philadelphia. They have Tampa Bay, who clearly Michael Thomas proved there's uh, some potential to be had. Indianapolis and Tennessee, which again, um, based upon this particular metric that I pulled together, you have Tampa Bay at 31, Tennessee at 25, and uh, excuse me, Tampa Bay at 31, India 25, Tennessee 27. So team to target there, especially if you still have the questions with Alshon Jeffrey. Now, I don't believe that Mike Wallace had a great week one, so perhaps he gets dropped and he might be a guy that you'd want to add. Yeah, I like that. Something of a buy low. Yep. And then also Cleveland, they have New Orleans, some potential there, the Jets in Oakland. So they were 24, 28 and 18. So if you are looking for some players to add that you're hoping to get some production out of for a couple of weeks, uh, maybe there is a Philly receiver or a Cleveland receiver on your waiver wire that you could target.
3: Yeah, I like that. Uh, Cleveland uh, impressed me, uh, even though I should say uh, Landry impressed me. I yep. didn't think he was going to be used like that. So I'm uh, radically adjusting my perspective on him
2: okay i need to also bring this up so um my father-in-law is on some he just retired and he went on some crazy hiking trip through spain which the man has never done any hiking or physical activity in his life so this was odd to begin with but he was in two survivor pools and he put my brother-in-law and i in head or in charge of these survivor pools the two teams we went with Were the Steelers and the Saints? So we basically uh, sabotaged his league right off the bat. But who would have thought that Cleveland ties Pittsburgh to open the season?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, there were a lot of smart people betting on Cleveland. Um, I mean, it's not—I don't know. I wouldn't
2: against the spread, but do you think to win outright? Like, how was that a bad decision on my part? Uh
3: yeah, (laughs) really? I mean, uh, I don't. It's hard. It's hard to say. But um, I wouldn't. I would have stayed away from that. Like that. That matchup scared me. It Like if I for this for the Steelers. Um. Yeah. Like. I. I mean. I think the the odds of them winning were. You know, probably closer to fifty percent than a lot of people would have expected. Yeah. Um. You know. So yeah. I. I don't know. I I wouldn't have picked the Steelers.
2: Well, if you want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league other than having your son-in-law make your survivor picks, which (laughs) you're expecting are going to go well... And I should also mention too that I drafted his fantasy team. My first two picks were uh Le'Veon Bell, of course, didn't play in Jarek McKinnon out for the year. <laughs> so, oh he, man. Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting when he gets back, especially because he knew that I was gonna be handling and managing his team. So I guess he, you know, he was kind of talking up that this was his year.
3: Oh uh, wow. Just um you should just tell him that the league closed down, you know, (laughs) that, that, uh, like the, the internet caught on fire and fantasy football doesn't exist anymore.
2: Uh I might have to do that. But, uh, you need to go and check out uh, SquadQL, the only mobile app that you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, CBS leagues. It's going to pull in your actual roster and your league scoring system and provide you waiver and trade recommendations. Uh The app also gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season, head to squadql.com to download squadql. You're all in one fantasy football manager, trusted by 100,000 DFS players as it is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, a very popular uh, option for DFS players. And you can also download RotoQL, As well as SquadQL for free on both Apple and Android. Now, getting back to talking about making some bets against the spread, people have come to me for advice. Case in point here, I'm sure that Matt, you get approached for advice, but I think the thing that you need to understand is in addition to making the right picks, you want to make sure that you're playing at a site that you can trust. That's why we have recommended mybookie.ag last year and this year. A lot of us at RotoViz, we like to make bets. Uh, You know, we enjoy everything related to football and a great way to enhance the season is to go and check out mybookie.ag. They have some of the quickest payouts in the business. Really cool things are there's in-game live betting, really rewarding player perks. You can actually now um take your knowledge of fantasy and bet the over under and how many fantasy points a player will score each week. There's just a lot of cool things that you do. So I really recommend that you go and check out mybookie.ag. And if you use the if you use the promo code ROTOViz, uh you can enjoy the promo that we have there, which is you will get a 100% deposit match. So make sure that you go and check out mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Hey, if so I we, can,
3: if I can jump in on yeah. this just for a second. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think people, uh, you should definitely sign up for my bookie. Uh, cause I want to talk about the fantasy point props. Um, yeah. those are, um, those are pretty fun. And I don't want to say um, soft or exploitable um, because they're they're not always, but uh, you can find pretty often some fantasy props that uh, you wouldn't mind playing. So for instance, uh, in the Jets uh, Lions game, uh, there was a prop for Bilal Powell over under five and a half fantasy points, and that's PPR,
2: ooh, right? Ooh, like,
3: um, yeah. you know, so we are recording this right now. Um you know, we're in the third quarter, I think he's already hit it. You know what I mean? Like there, you can find yeah. some, you can find some deals on there. Uh, so uh, I think it's, it's definitely worth your while to look at that. And with the, uh, the knowledge that you have as a fantasy player, uh, there are some definite opportunities.
2: Absolutely. And the other thing I would say too, and this is, this is actual personal experience of mine. What I like to do too is if you're watching the games and your team isn't playing and there's one that you're following along with that no longer becomes that entertaining, you can go in and you can actually make the bets based upon, um, you know, as I said earlier, there's live in-game betting. So there'll be different things that can pop up that way too, which I think can kind of keep you interested if there's a game that you were excited about, but it kind of turns into a bit of a boat race and gets away from you.
3: Yeah. And and just one more thing on the fantasy points thing, Um, you know, like especially last week, but really every week let's say you have maybe, I don't know, 10 or or 12 players that you like, and you think they provide value and you're looking to build your DFS team or whatever it is, but you can't fit all of those players in. And, uh, it's possible that you can find them with uh fantasy point props where they offer value. So it's like a way of being able to get exposure to players you want, um, without necessarily like having a suboptimal lineup.
2: Yeah, that's savvy as well. Um, I like that a lot. So clearly, you need to go check out mybookie.ag.
4: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Oh, man! Strong right, slot, Z
0: right. Spider 2, Y banana, Z over.
2: And let's keep this moving along, Matt. Top three units with difficult upcoming schedules. Um, we are going to mention first... The Baltimore wide receivers, though they had a field day against the Bills, they have a bit of a brutal stretch going against Cincinnati, Denver, and Pittsburgh, who closed last season 5, 12, and 2. So, though you might be very jazzed up about that receiving core, you might want to pump the brakes a little bit for the next three weeks. Yeah.
3: I mean, I would, I would buy it, although I'm still like a John Brown truther. So, um, you know, I'm just going to say <laughs> he's still going to get his.
2: Yeah. All right, then Tampa Bay, their wide receivers too, also had a great day, but they're going to be facing Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, like the Ravens, and then also Chicago who went 14-2 and uh, 4. So another thing you're going to want to watch out for there. And I must admit that I actually, while was looking through these, uh, did not bring in a third team for this week. So uh, my bad there. That's but super embarrassing. Super, well, <laughs> the I mean, ghost, hey, It's the ghost team. It is. Hey, listen, this is proprietary information people are getting right here. So yeah. I don't feel bad or embarrassed if we're but only giving out two. That's true. Uh, perhaps the part of the show I'm looking the most forward to, Friedman's number one <laughs> waiver priority. He gets his <laughs> well, own segment.
3: Why would this be a part that anyone looks forward to? Because um, I just wanna, Yeah, go ahead. A
2: couple of reasons. One, we know that you don't prepare for the show – So I don't know if you even knew that this was coming. Uh And two, if you didn't, I want to just hear the uh, magic of you pulling somebody out of the, you know, a rabbit out of the hat.
3: Uh, Okay. So uh, if you look at the list of players available, it's kind of not that appetizing. Like quarterback, you don't, I think should, I don't think you should focus on it that much. So for instance, if Patrick Mahomes actually happened to be out on waivers, then I think he's someone you want to grab. Um, But it's not as if you're going out there to get Fitzpatrick. Like, I think you're probably either you have a starting quarterback you're comfortable with, or you're looking to stream the position. Um, So I think that means you're looking at basically running back or wide receiver, maybe tight end. And let's say like, if you know, you're in a situation where you had Delaney Walker uh, or you had Greg Olson, um, you know, maybe there's someone out there on waivers, but I don't think so actually, because I don't think it's worth picking up Dilson uh with the Seahawks. Yeah. I just like I don't buy that as something that's sustainable. So basically I'm looking at running back and wide receiver. Um, wide receiver Deshaun Jackson is out there in a lot of leagues. Um, but again, like I don't know if he's someone that you would actually ever want to start. Um, so I don't I don't know if I would go that way. I think honestly the, the person I might look to add is TJ Yeldon. Um, because, uh, I think he's going to have a built-in role as a pass catcher anyway. And then I think he has upside for much more if the Leonard Fournette injury, uh, lingers and it's a hamstring injury. So, I mean, those can be like underratedly serious. Like that could be something that actually sidelines Fournette or like he re-aggravates it and then he misses a few games. Um, you know, so Yeldon is a guy who's had some success. Uh, he has a built-in role and he's with a team. Um, that, you know, really wants to run the ball. So I think he's probably the guy I would look to pick up, but I still wouldn't use uh, a lot of money on him if you're uh, in a fob system. So yeah, I mean, I guess Yeldon is probably my top waiver priority of the week, but it's not like it's a strong waiver priority. I'd probably just hold it.
2: I think that's a good recommendation because I actually would not expect that he's going to come at as high of a price tag as you may see some other players Uh, this week, just because people are going to be considering the fact that, uh, there's Fournette there and they might not see as much of the standalone value that he could have. And we have seen Fournette have some health struggles through his career, uh, up to this point. So I like that pick. The next segment we're going to run through each week are fantasy games of the upcoming week. So like the fantasy games of the week. Uh, I'm just going to highlight two games from each week that I feel have Interesting implications in the fantasy world, and I also expect a lot of points to be scored. So if you do not have uh, a rooting interest in any of the one o'clock games, check out Kansas City versus Pittsburgh and Vikings versus the Packers. A lot of interesting fantasy names there. Uh so those are the games that you're going to want to pay attention to. And I actually think could also be using uh excuse me, be interested if you're looking in stacking games in DFS. Those probably are two good ones to do it with.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of upset with myself as I'm looking at this now. Uh, Kansas uh like Chiefs at Steelers, I believe that opened at 50 and now it is at 53 for the over ooh, under ooh, and yeah. uh highest highest uh total of the week uh total shootout potential um Steelers at home are just a very different team than on the road and uh Kansas City has a very exploitable defense uh and their offense uh you know we talked about earlier uh very yep. impressed with them so i think that clearly is a game with all sorts of fantasy goodness and then Vikings at the Packers That is a really interesting matchup. Uh, You know, like a tough matchup, I think, for a less than ideally mobile Rodgers going against, you know, a very good defense uh, in the Vikings.
2: Yep, absolutely. And then our final segment, uh, or our final segment that you're probably going to be interested in, this we are calling the tough call. So each week we're going to take one listener to voicemail, email, tweet, anything like that, in which they in which the person sending it in describes a tough position that they are in as a fantasy owner, we're going to talk through the answer. We're going to try to frame these and pick questions that are going to be relevant to all owners, uh, not just a, you know, not just the particular team. So I like the question that we got from Albano commando on Twitter, which is if you have number one waiver priority in a non free agent auction bidding league, do you hold it for first dibs on a backup running back after season ending injury? Uh, or risk being at the disadvantage in picks, pickups before them for context. Use it now on a guy like Lindsay or Hold in case Gurley or DJ go down and you can get their backups with instant production. So yeah. you're not in a free agent auction bidding league. You have the number one waiver priority. I think it's too early to use it yet because I expect that there will be a point where there's a more obvious uh situation a situation where you have a much higher probability of that player returning it's a little too early for me do you think differently matt no i agree yep and i think that if you were going to use it this week i don't know if lindsey or yeldon is the type of guy that you want to go for because we see it every season at some point between now and probably week six there's going to be a major shakeup at the position uh so i would be holding off there and the final segment. Uh, well, actually, we have time for I'm going to say two bonus round questions, Matt. Okay. Um, if Olson is out for significant time, which I think it looks like Greg Olson, he's going to be any um, buddy on the Panthers offense that you're looking to now, or do you, how do you you know see that shaking out? Is that just going to affect players that we might already own, or is there anybody that you would target?
3: No, I wouldn't look to add anyone. Uh I think obviously it's a boon for Funchess. Uh he yep. was at his most productive last year when Olsen was out. Um so yeah, and I mean Funchess is kind of like a small tight end. Um just I mean yeah. it's, even in terms of like his college like usage, at one point he was a tight end. So uh yeah, I think it's probably the best for Funches. And uh it you know, but I don't think it's gonna mean that any of the other wide receivers uh, get a lot of extra targets, maybe just a little bit, but not enough really to make me view them any differently.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there. So another tight end injury that we talked about earlier, Delaney Walker, we didn't actually mention that. Janu Smith, who I actually liked as a prospect a fair amount, was behind him on the depth chart. What do you think of Smith? Do you think that he's a guy that we should look at uh, as a considerable maybe streaming option each week now?
3: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely interesting. I think it's just a question of like, we need to have some time to see how they're going to use him. Like if they're going to basically pretend that he's another Delaney Walker, then that's really valuable. I just don't know if they're going to use him in that way. Like I could see a lot of Delaney's targets being split up between, you know, two or three other guys with just like a little like vestigial amount going to Janu.
2: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that you just used the word vestigial. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, that was a real odd way to arrive at that. But yeah. I feel like uh, you're one of the few people that I converse with routinely who would uh, <laughs> use that word, and I appreciate that. Because yeah. uh, I've been told before that sometimes the way that I phrase things, I'm the only person on Earth that would ever go about it that way. But I think that you know, right there, that was an example that there are people like Matt Friedman out there who would do the same. Yeah, Final there segment. there
3: are other weird people like you on the planet. I, yeah. I happen to be one of them.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's it's great company to be in. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the Monday Night Challenge. uh, Very simply, to close off the show each week, we are gonna pick the winner of the upcoming well against the spread. Um, we're gonna pick the winner against the spread of the upcoming Monday Night game. We're gonna track it throughout the season, see who does better. So next Monday night, you have the Bears minus two and a half at home, facing off against the Seahawks. I have my pick. Who are you gonna go with? Okay, so uh,
3: I I don't want to quibble too much about this number, but I believe it, I, I it should, searched
2: very quickly. If you have the more official number, we can deal yeah, with
3: that. Right now, it's at minus three, which I okay. think I think does make a difference. Yeah, and that does actually. actually. And, and last night, I actually grabbed it at, uh, at three and a half. So you can probably see where I'm going with this. I'm going easily with Seattle. Um, so three and a half was easy for me to grab it last night. If it's out there still at three, uh, and you can find it, I think at my bookie at three right now, I would grab that there. Uh, two and a half is much less certain. Um, but I think I would still go, uh, with Seattle. If I had to choose a side, I would go with Seattle with that number.
2: I'm actually going to go then Chicago to oppose you so that we can get off. Well, season. you don't, know, I mean, Start the thing is, with- if
3: you, if you actually like Seattle, take Seattle,
2: no, no, I know that. I actually was originally going to go Chicago with the two okay. and a half, but now I felt like that was my pick. Even though it's three, I'm going to stick with it. Okay. All right, yeah. so you have that down. You have Friedman on Seattle. I have the Bears to cover. Any closing thoughts, Matt, before we shut things down after week one? Uh, sign up for my bookie with the promo code ROTOVIS. Oh, wow. Well played. And I'm also going to urge you, too, to make sure that you – uh. In addition to supporting my bookie, uh, you come and support us on Patreon and you get in on that Sunday show. A lot of good content coming out there, a lot of good conversations and we're really having fun with it. So again, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna be here every week during the regular season breaking things down in the same format that we did tonight. I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave FF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F the Oracle don't forget to call in to 979257628. Shoot us an email or tweet us and give us your tough calls of the week. This has been Rotovis Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review and be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to Roto Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at RotoVizRadio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RotoViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage of RotoViz.com forward slash podcast.